0: here we are on a brand new edition of a better question podcast uh very much in its infancy stages and we just got a sweet sweet introduction to zoom podcasting by our friend andres who is here with us um steve and i are doing it this time uh together But yeah, wanted to introduce Andres. Uh, How I know Andres is I met him at church and we played soccer together and we've gotten to know each other a little bit through both of those things. Um, Andres is has a podcast of his own that is a million times better than this one. Come on. No, I can't say that. That's Uh, not the way to go. It's not.
1: We don't know that. We don't know that. There's no quality,
0: it's better now. So, well, yeah, the quality is (laughs)
1: better, the aesthetic, everything Uh, about it, actually. So, you're probably right, (laughs) anyway.
0: So, yeah, um, and I was just going over uh, this with Andres beforehand, but really we want to tell the story again of, of where this podcast came from. So this really has grown out of our Facebook conversations with people who get into arguments about things that matter to them on Facebook and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram just have so many limitations around actual deep conversations about meaningful things. And so we want to give our friends and people with great ideas, a platform to, to really just dive into those. And so Steve and I will do our best to kind of ask some deep, good questions. Um, a better question is the name of the podcast. So that's the idea. Um, so without further ado, Andres, um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, we, we do have some topics that we had picked out, um, but from there, as a starting point, we can kind of go wherever you would yeah. like
2: yeah man sorry i was adjusting like some sound stuff because <laughs> i was like this sounds awful but now i can hear you guys really really well <laughs> it sounds oh, good. good yeah yeah man um it's good to be on thank you for having me i uh, i just appreciate being able to have these kinds of conversations with people i think more of this kind of stuff that you guys are doing here i think this is a good start to you know, a solution to all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world. <laughs> it's just being able to do this and just, Hey man, let's talk about this and it's okay to be wrong or whatever. So yeah, good stuff. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah. And we're very glad that you are our first guest. I mean, Jen was a guest. She talked about, uh, she talked about COVID-19 as a nurse uh, but we cool. haven't done it a, a, as a video guest and uh, you're the first non-family member guest. So um, <laughs> big step for us. Hey, I'm glad. So,
1: That's so, yeah, <laughs> man. Uh,
0: the first thing we talked about, I mean, you wrote a book. Um, let's mm-hmm. start there. I mean, the and the book really is kind of an origin story for you too. So it, it makes it a great place to start. So go ahead and just talk about what you want to in, in your book and, and plug it.
2: Yeah, man. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I, I wrote a book this year, um, through the help of a company, uh, called self-publishing school. They were pretty awesome. And I, I knew a buddy that worked there and Um, Got connected with them. Um, If you're looking to write a book, I definitely would. It's expensive. It's uh, not. No, it's not true. It's it's costly because publishing a book is costly in general. So you're gonna make that investment anyway. Um, Heads up. So I'm just glad that I kind of knew the right person to help me out with the book. The 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 story is is a bit of an origin story. It's uh it's a story about my family moving from the United or from Colombia in South America to Link or Grand Island. Grand Island, Nebraska, uh, when I was seven years old, and kind of just the story of why we came here, how we came here, uh, what happened when we got here, and then how we were ultimately able to become United States citizens. Um, and so the reason, the reason I wrote the book, really was because uh, I I, grew, I half grew up in Grand Island, and you know there's a large Hispanic population there, um, a lot of Mexican friends that I grew up with. And some of them were like second, third, fourth generation. And the other people that were the, the white people that were there were like, some of them were like third or fourth generation Germans or like some sort of Europeans. And all of them had the thing in common where I was like, yeah, so, so your grandpa came here from, you know, Switzerland or whatever, or Mexico. And they'd go, yeah, yeah. How how that happened? Like, well, how did you how did you guys do that? How did they do that? And they would have no idea. And in my mind, I remember like watching my parents struggle so much to accomplish what they did. And and we can get into the details of the book if you don't mind sharing the story. Um, I think it's better reading it, but I can share as much as you guys want. But um, yeah, I remember watching my parents struggle and, and go through everything that they they went through. And in my mind, I'm like, there's no way that you know, my Grandkids, so my parents' great-grandkids will be asked, "Hey, what happened to your family?" And that they will go, "I don't know." Like that, that this sacrifice, this whole entire thing that they did for me and my brother, and then my other brother once he was born when we were here, like that needs to be commemorated. That needs to be known. And whether it's, I don't, I, I hadn't, I had goals, I guess, for the book to do well, but at the very, very bottom minimum was, "Hey, at least." The people in my family, my kids, my nephews, my nieces, my grandkids, we're they're gonna read this book and they're gonna know, for the sake of my parents, just if anything to honor them, and so um, I decided to do that. Um, it was December twenty eighth when I started writing because at Christmas I asked my family for permission to see, hey, is it is it is it okay if if I do this? And then, yeah, they give me the okay on the 26th of December. I started writing on the 26th or sorry, 28th of December. And then the book was published on March 7th uh, because that was the day commemorating the anniversary of my dad. It was 21 years that he, that he moved here, he moved here a few months before we did, but um, wow. And I wanted to just honor that date. And so, um, yeah, so the story chronicles the whole, the whole thing, like why we came, what happened um it, it is changed it's, it's it's based on a true story so i changed some names and i changed some uh, some order of events for privacy reasons and for just uh you know literature reasons like the way the story progresses is better if even though this happened actually after it's better if it happens before because it's a more build-up event but the the majority of the story, um, I would say probably like ninety-five percent of it is is exactly as it happened. Um, some parts had to be, or some names were omitted for obviously for different reasons. So, but yeah, yeah, it was a it was a crazy experience writing that, um, and very proud of how it did and what happened. And um, but mostly it was when my when my parents um, when they looked at it. And they had it in their hand. I, my mom, I got a picture from my mom, like holding the book that I wrote, <laughs> and I was like,
1: "Holy oh, crap!
2: Like, this is crazy!" Um, and yeah, it was crazy. My when, the, when we hit publish right at midnight uh, onto Amazon, we um, it, I was with my dad, like we clicked together, and um, it was he was the first person to buy a copy. <laughs> so it was uh, it was crazy. The book is called uh, "The Cost of Citizenship." um, and you can find it on Amazon. If you just type, you know, literally you can type my name, um, Andres Gamboa, um, citizenship probably, and it'll come up on Google. Or if you just look it up and look my name up or the cost of citizenship up on Amazon, it'll pop up. And yeah, it was, it was super awesome. It was a, it was a life-changing experience to do that. Um, and yeah, super glad I did it. Now I'm working on more stuff and kind of not as quickly, taking my time with it a little bit more, but but yeah, it, it's it was a really cool shift in like perspective of you know how the world works based on like digging deep like that to to write something like that. So it was it was pretty cool that that I learned that lesson. So yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely, it's a hell of a turnaround. Uh, gosh, four <laughs> months, not even three months to write uh, a family story. That that's uh, it must have been was was it a full-time job this is your first book right
2: yeah it's my first book
0: was mm-hmm. it basically like a full-time job writing it that quick no or?
2: no i actually i was working full-time elsewhere um, yeah. uh and i was i mean i was still trying to keep up with life but i found time you know it's just i it's um i in my mind or what i've learned in my life with people and my mentors is like hey look if you if you if you set a goal and you plan out like every day what you need to do for it then like all that needs to happen is for you to execute that plan and so if if you if you have that goal and you're confident that you can execute the plan in order to get there like measurably and actually then success is guaranteed like because you set the goal and you did all the things in the checklist so theoretically you should like not fail And so that was it for me. I I was like, okay, December 28th. I had two options for dates. I was like July 13th. That's the day I moved here. Hmm. That would be six months, a little bit more spread out. Or I go March 7th for my dad and something tugged at that in my heart. And I was like, okay, so I guess we're going to do this in in a couple months. So then I was like, all right, so. To write, a, it's, it's about 45,000 words. I was shooting between 40 and 50 because that's what a memoir typically is. Is Books are always measured when you're writing a book. You always measure it in in words, not pages because depending okay. on the format of the book, the pages are always going to be different. Sure. So if you do different editions, there's going to be different pages and everything. So it's, it's just completely based on words. To give you a reference, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is about 75,000 words. So my book is about yeah. two thirds of, of that, give or take. Um, And so, so I was like, okay, so that's okay. That's 50, let's just say 50,000 words. Okay. And I have like, you know, 67 days until then. And so when do I need, like, what's the process look like? And so I I mapped out, okay, so it's going to be at least at the very minimum a month for editing, uh, developing, you know, formatting, cover design, the stuff that's not writing is about a month at the very minimum, if you're moving quick and everything's going according to plan. If not, you're going to do like six weeks, like an extra couple of weeks, five or six weeks. And so then I was like, okay, so that gives me until about January 26th to have this thing written. And so what that means is I need to write about a thousand words a day, which is about 30,000. And then a couple of Saturdays, I need to hit like 5,000 words. And that'll get that's all I got to do. And so that's all I got to (laughs) do. Okay. So then I was like, okay, so how do I write a thousand words a day? Like how long is that going to take me? And it took me at first, it took me about two and a half hours. So I was like, okay, I just got to write for two and a half hours. Uh, Then I started getting efficient because I learned and I was able to like process better. I started typing faster. Um, And it took me about an hour and a half. Sometimes I could get it in an hour to write a thousand words. So I was like, okay, that means I can yes. squeeze an hour in early in the morning or late at night, right? Thirty minutes, wake up a little bit earlier and just stay up a little bit. I'm losing an hour, literally losing an hour and a half to two hours of sleep, but I could do that for three months. You could do anything for three months, <laughs> and so that's, that's what, I- what I did. That's what I did, and so they and I and I just and I committed. I'm like I'm unconditionally committed. No matter what happens, no matter if I go and hang out with friends and stay out late or whatever, like I got to plan accordingly, but I, I have to write for an hour and a half to two hours a day, no matter what. And I got to pick two Saturdays to just nail it until I have, you know, two to 5,000 words. And that's exactly what happened. I, I just committed to it. And and I knew in my mind, I'm like, if I just do this and I don't miss one day, then on March 7th, I'm going to be with my dad and I'm going to be publishing my book. I know I can do that. And so that's what I, I held on to that image of my dad, like, I and mean, what it would look like and mm-hmm. and I just when I would I mean I do I there would be times where I would like fall asleep writing it and I'd wake up at like two in the morning and my computer's on and I'm like oh I gotta finish and I finished and then I would go to bed you, but it, it's it's like that and, and you just gotta keep going and then it happens <laughs> but I I got I ended up early and it was like June or January 24th. So I was two days ahead and the editor was like, perfect. That's even buys us more time. So like the, cause that I couldn't control that part. So that was the part that was scary. I could control how many words I wrote a day and like control the controllables, but once it got sent out, it, if, if my editor got sick, I mean, that was at the end of it, you know, or like whatever. And so mm-hmm. that part was like, <laughs> Um <laughs> you know, getting it, getting the ISBN for it, trying to set, I stopped to finish setting it up for the Library of Congress, like all those little things, but the publishing of the book, as of forever, it it was on the day of, and that's, that's, that's how, that's how it happened. I'm not like a great writer. I don't, I didn't consider myself like to be a great writer, but I just knew that I just had to like cover the thousand and that was it.
1: So I wanted to, I wanted to hit on that. That's a very interesting point you bring up right there that, you know, I'm not a great writer, which I probably, I, I doubt that. Um, but I mean, in your self-assessment, I'm going to believe you. Um, even though when I read it, I'm sure, sure that's not the case, but why now? Um, you know, one of the things I heard you say early on was you wanted to commemorate, you needed to sort of lay down the narrative or the story of your folks and and, and really your community, your family. Um, you wanted that to, to to move on for generations, right? Like to be passed mm-hmm. along. Why now? What what precipitated?
2: Yeah. You? Well, and and we can actually use this to kind of even transition into like the other topics that you guys might have. But like, but we can keep talking about the book. I I love either one. But no, uh, I
1: yeah, the, but I I love and just just thinking like, are there like historically his, yeah. history issues or events. Well, yeah, so
2: so I knew at some point in my life I was going to write about my parents' story from the minute I became a United States citizen. Like when we hit that goal for us personally, it was we did hit, we hit that goal the same way that I hit the goal for the book. It was like we said, "Okay, here's what needs to happen. Here's how many years it takes to do this. Here's what all we need. And if we cover our bases, we should and our and our lawyer isn't worthless, we should be okay because we had a good enough case we we're going to get murdered. And so we had to, we moved here and and we went through political asylum. And so we had to prove that we would get killed if we went back home and we had enough evidence. We just, it was just a matter of like getting it because we were here and some of the stuff is still there. But all that to say, I knew, so like after going through all of that with my parents and, we and I got sworn in as a United States citizen on election day of all days, which is kind of ironic for some reason. And I remember thinking like, People like I already had that mentality of how can my friends not know how their parents got here, how their grandparents got here. And in my head, when I got that certificate that I was United States citizen, I was like people might not, not my, not the world, but like my family in the future needs to know what happened here. And I had that in mind. So then as the election of 2016 came around, things, the topic of immigration got tossed back into the, you know, social media platforms and with a little bit more more fervor, the whole thing about the kids in the cages was really tough. Uh, Some of the words that Trump used to describe immigrants at the the time or throughout the presidency were hard on me as an immigrant. Um, And at moments of really like despair, I would write about that topic and it would, sometimes it would be on Facebook to argue with someone about stuff or just for my personal post but often to this blog that I have. Um, and I would just share it to Facebook and just whatever. Well, one of the ones that I wrote, like got viewed like 10,000 times in like 25 different countries. And I was getting messages from people I didn't know from like Kenya going, I, I appreciate your words. Like, so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And that was in like 2016. So I was like, okay, well, I mean, there's, I, I, have, I have some ability to write, but I, I'm, I'm not very confident. Is that motorcycle too loud? Can you hear that?
0: (laughs) Yeah, we can hear it. Let me close this window.
1: We love, I love those sounds. Yeah.
0: Well, it's just
2: like, I just had the window open, but my microphone shouldn't be catching that. But I feel like it was extra loud that time. So I was like, hmm. Um, But anyway, yeah. So uh, that like got me thinking, okay, maybe like when I'm passionate about something, I can write about it and people might enjoy it. And so, but I don't, I don't know. And I still have that idea of that book. And then I, I, I was taking a, I graduated. It took me a long time to graduate college because I was I was in and out of college for a while until I, and I was like, okay, I should just go back and finish. And so my last class I needed to finish was this rhetoric writing class, which is a pretty basic English writing class. It was like 251. And we had to write about a community. And this is like 2018. And so it's like in the midst of the Trump presidency, the kids in the cages were like, a becoming bigger news and, or, or they're about to like the topic of immigration was like hot at that point. And so I said, I'm going to write about immigration from the standpoint of a little kid coming to the United States. And it's going to be from my memories. And so, um, I wrote this like short story. It's about 1500 words. And it was called everybody wants a blue one, referencing the fact that people across the world want a blue passport, which means that they're United States citizens. And so, um, I wrote it from like that perspective. And that day I turned that in, I got an A plus on the thing. And the professor was like, this is beautiful. You should submit it to like different like competitions. And that's when I got the confidence. I was like, Oh, I can do this. I can, I can do this. Okay. Maybe I'm not a terrible writer, but I still don't think I'm that great, but like, okay, I'm not awful. Like if I write something, it might be worth it, at least for me, you know, like I don't care yeah. to impress a lot of people, but I just like It's a good form of expressing myself and I can dig deeper. And I think I can really tell this story about my parents, but I still wasn't sure. And then, yeah, I was uh, looking up a a page uh, that I'm a part of, uh, uh, alumni of an internship I did in college selling books door to door. And one of the guys that posted in in this group of like 3,000 people was like, hey, like I'm working with this company that helps people publish books and teaches them how to do it. And so I like messaged him and like, Hey man, like, what's this about? And he goes, well, <laughs> here's how it works. And so um, that was that right right before Christmas. Um, and then I signed up for the course with self-publishing school. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I knew that if I took too long to do it, it, it might not work out because things get in the way all of the time as life is. And so I said, no, I need, to, I need a shorter attainable goal. And then here we come back full circle so why now it was just kind of like everything made sense it was still a good topic to talk about it was it was that i just happened to meet the right people at the right place and then the opportunity presented itself to actually do it and i i said okay if not now when you know and it's never going to get easier or more you know i'm never going to have more free time than i do now because life happens no kids no marriage but eventually right and so i was like Might as well go for it. And so, yeah, that's what happens. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's really helpful. That's great to hear. There are a number of things that you said in there that I would love to pull a thread on, but I'll let Kent go first. Yeah. I mean, whatever you
2: guys, yeah, whatever in there is. No, uh,
1: uh, same.
0: I mean, just, I mean, the, but the behavioral change kind of thing is something that i'm super interested in and so you know uh, i think it's what steve was kind of driving at like why now like you, you've had this idea you obviously explained why now since but... you were seven right I right mean, <laughs> yeah, from, yeah. From,
1: i mean ish right like we need to yeah. we need <clears throat> to get this down we need to tell this story probably have that in whatever seven-year-old language but mm-hmm. just the idea of keeping track of it and remembering was huge yeah. for you mm-hmm
0: but yeah. And just breaking, breaking it down and realizing you have to get a thousand words a day and some more on the weekend. Like that's how, I mean, that's how you do stuff. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, And it's, you know, crazy because uh, a lot of us just don't do that. So (laughs) um, yeah. Yeah, I really
1: admire that. I do admire that. uh, Andres and I, you know, I've, and I know it's not just that, it's, it's your comedy. It's, it's all the things that you, yeah. you get yourself in front of and you just start to create um, your podcast and, and you're just prolific in terms of what you were choosing to put your hand to plow on, right? Like, and uh-huh. just start, let's just create. And I love that about um, what so. I've seen, you know, and I don't know you <laughs> extremely well, but from what I've known and seen and just heard even now, For what it's worth, that's amazing. Thank you. I do have to. I would love to open the page of the book now, if I could. Yeah, man. And what you said early on, when you all, when your when your parents made the decision to flee, Mm -hmm. you said you you had to prove that you were you would be murdered Mm -hmm. if you stayed. Can you can you talk about that that part? Um, Because I think that just seems such an important part of your i mean that's your u.s citizen um out of these incredible circumstances
2: yeah man i mean um i mean first off i should i should say it, i'm not an immigration lawyer you know so anything i'm saying here you know any for anybody listening we, we are this isn't, by trade yeah. we are
1: by yeah. trade so yeah. <laughs> so
2: no, this is just what i know not. from my We're, experience is what i'm saying of course. <laughs> um but so what happened was, um, and this is like the very, very not detailed version of the story, but it, my, my parents had helped out uh, the Colombian government in a time of need by providing uh, construction materials from a company that my dad owned. And so in doing that, uh, the FARC, um, who are the, I guess what you could say ISIS of the time in Colombia uh, like they're, they're, it's a guerrilla terrorist organization, uh, involved in a lot of drug trade, you know, uh, rebelling or, re- or rebelling against the government, and so, um, a lot of kidnappings are known for, they're notoriously known in South America, and so this is a war that's been going on for 55 years. My dad helps out the government, um, and they don't like that, and so <laughs> they ended up presenting themselves to my dad and explaining that they knew you know what he was doing and who he was and that they were gonna uh kill my brother and my mom and him for if he didn't stop and start helping them instead and so the, the the details of that are all in, in the book and we get it again we can get into as many details I don't mind sharing it's it's to me it's like I'm sharing the same story over and over so whether you buy the book and read it or I can just tell it to you it doesn't matter <laughs> to me it's fine um but yeah so so that was like how we needed to leave and so there was a line that went into the process but essentially we we had brought the first time when my mom and my brother and I came four months after my dad did in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started with this uh, bit of evidence that was uh, enough to get like the ball rolling. And so when we moved, <clears throat> we came as uh, U.S. or as as a uh, tourists. We with tourist visas. And so we technically entered the country completely legally. Now we had no plans of returning. And so a tourist visa is good for six months. Um, And so after six months, you're technically staying illegally. You're you're good for six months for five years. You can come in for six months, get out to leave, and then you can come back again for six months after a certain period. right? So that was what we were supposed to do. But we didn't do that because if we went home, we were going to get killed. So we stayed. And for a little while there, we were living illegally while we were developing a case with a lawyer in order to be able to prove to a court that we needed, a, we needed political asylum, which essentially means if you we are, we need the protection of the United States government here, so we can find refuge here and then avoid imminent threats or death back home. Um, and so, you know, we had to put together the case. There had to be evidence of, you know, the the deal that my dad did with the government. We had to prove that, you know, we were threatened that there was communication. We had to have. Um, different forms of, of proving that this was happening to us. Um, which, which is crazy because really like that's, that's, that's actually over simplifying so much of this process. It, it, there, there's a lot of misunderstanding or I think lack of knowledge of how the immigration system works and, and it's in and the true issues that it has. And so You know, I mean, to even get us a visa, which all this is in the book in detail, and then it goes into why this happens. Um, But to even have gotten a visa to come here was a lottery because we couldn't go up to the U.S. Embassy and be like, hey, we're trying to go see Mickey. (laughs) but also we're gonna die. So we're intending and staying in your country illegally until we can figure out a way to stay. Like, you don't say that you go, hey, we're going uh, to Miami and then we're going to Orlando. We told them that's what we were going to do as kids. That's what we got told was happening. We were going to Disney world. And so everybody was in, we got there Um, by chance. My brother was like, where's Mickey? And then the lady like took that and said, okay, you've been granted. Mm My, my uncle who works for the Colombian government has tried several times to go get a visa to come here and see us. And he's been denied every time. Don't know, it's a lottery. So just starting out, that was huge for us that we were able to come. Okay, then once we got here, it's like, did we get everything we needed to be able to provide proof for this? Do we know everything we need to know? Here to give you an example of like what ignorance is like, we got here and landed in Miami and took a bus from Miami to Memphis where my dad came and picked us up because nobody told us and we never knew that you could fly from Miami to Omaha. Because why would we know that, right? So it's things like that that cost money, that cost time, that cost effort, that cost danger. Because making little mistakes. Ahead, it was scary. We would we would be driving around illegally, and if we got pulled over for a taillight, we would be found out and then deported for being here illegally, and then we would go die. Yeah,
1: there's not a lot of for for, for a taillight.
2: You know what I'm saying? And so, and this is not my story. This is, and I write this in the book. This is not my story. This is the story of millions of people in this country. And some of them had it worse. When I went to, I went with a, a gentleman, a kid, at the time he was a young kid. He's a fully grown man now, but his name is Kayla Peterson. Shout out to Kayla Peterson. His parents run the, right. the Hope Venture. And Caleb sure. uh, was like, hey, uh, I'm going to the border to check out what's going on. Do you want to come with? And I said, sure. Uh, coincidentally, it was on the 20-year anniversary of me arriving. And we went oh, wow. down there and we, and we met. It was just a, we rented a car, went Dan, We went, we got there, we drove all day, were there all day, and then drove back the next day. So it was like a three-day trip, just one day driving, one day there, one day back. Uh, the day we were there, though, was the exact day of, of, of what of my story of me arriving to the United States, and we met families who told us their story, whose recordings I still have on my phone. And their stories were severely more graphic harrowing like it was atrocious the stuff that they told us that happened to them within two weeks ago there was a i don't know how much detail you want there's a gal that was there she was she was 16 um uh she was from guatemala entering mexico they got stopped by the cops who some of them are in the pockets of like cartels killed her father in front of her they her mom and her were able to escape by grabbing onto the train And then on the train cart, there were men there who raped her and her mom repeatedly on the whole trip over. They got to the border. Her mom was killed. And then she got in requesting because what's going on is they were lining up. I don't know if they still are, but there's lines of people saying we need it. We need help. We need to come in. And so what they do is they take a lawyer and a judge and they go out and they go person by per person on the line saying, what's your story? Can you prove this? Can you, ha-? and if you can't, they turn you away. If you have something, they'll let you in. And then when they let you in, they hold you in this facility. This is where all these kids and this is how things people are getting families are getting separated. That's when that happens is they get it. They, they're like, okay, fine. You have enough to be like, okay, we'll let you in. Sometimes they just pick a random per- group and they go, okay, well, kids that way, women that way. And then men this way. And then they, they, rip off all of their things and all of their belongings. Wow. They're, they're using those little blankets that you get at the end of a half marathon to sleep on. And there's hundreds of them to a small space. It's not the, it's not a holiday Inn, right? The kids are in worse conditions. You guys have read the news, right? And so all of this that I'm saying, I'm saying is because I was telling you my story and it sounded graphic and it sounded tough, but then I just told you, <laughs> The story of hundreds of people yeah. who it's like worse, millions. Like to me, I'm like, man, we got it easy. You know, and what that's is a, what is easy to me that that happens in this country, I, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and that is that's a great bridge for my question, actually, just because, you know, just thinking about the amount of traumatic or trauma, right? Uh, post-traumatic syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, just from people who've, you know, the stories that you just told us at the border, your own story, but then, then you're around communities like Grand Island, uh, where I have family from that area. I'm from I'm, I'm from Aurora, um, and, and yeah. so I know I know there's a mi- there's a mix of family and a bit more diversity in Grand Island there than there is Aurora, uh, but still, I mean, as you as you mentioned before, you know, you'd meet. These third, fourth generation uh, immigrants from, from German heritage, these sort of white, white folks. And, you know, if I had to guess, just knowing the community and knowing my family, probably were not very in tune to the sacrifices that were made to come here. They were different sacrifices, yeah. too, mm-hmm. yeah. like because it was tough back then, but they still had the white card to get them where they needed to be. Right. Um, you know, I mean, just looking European probably helped. So, you know, just different different things to sacrifice, mm-hmm. but still, um, in your story, and then, um, you know, as you've as you've processed your own, you've seen some of the sacrifice and the cost of what it been for your parents to get here, and you're around a lot of people who are somewhat ignorant of that cost. What is that? Uh, how have you? How do you how do you um sort of not reconcile but what has your experience been like with that like
2: you mean have like notice that that when people like take it for granted you mean or, or?
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. or maybe just don't have a self-understanding of of true trauma uh <laughs>
2: yeah well i mean i guess i well the first one second, I'm gonna turn this on because okay, is that too bright? Okay, that's better. No, it's getting dark. The sun's setting, and I don't have enough light here. <laughs> um, um, okay. Um, I mean, th- th- there's a variety of things. It, it, it honestly, there's no it bounces back, it just kind of depends on where I'm at that day, I think. For example, sometimes people say, I'm proud to be an American, and it's like, Well, you didn't get to choose, like you <laughs> Like the person that was born here, it's like, yeah, yeah. You're just born here, man. Like what do you, how are you proud of something? You didn't do any work for, you know what I'm saying? I'm proud it's of you working because I worked to be like, it, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I yeah. wrote a book in two months. Like it, it still wasn't as hard as what happened. Like the things that we had to endure. Right. So that's one thought. Right. But then sometimes I'm just like, you know what? Like it's okay. It's okay. Because that's the goal. So that my grandkids. Don't have to struggle through that. Like my, like, so, so no, my, my brother had just had a baby in May, May, May 11th. Little, I'm an uncle for the first time Congrats. And, that, and like, thanks. it was awesome. It's the coolest thing that's happened to me this year. Um, about a month before, or not a couple of weeks before I was talking to my brother, you know, and we've lived the same thing, right? We had another brother that was born here and he, he has his own story, which is crazy, uh, of how it reflects on to our, ours, but like Danny and I are, you know, it's the same story. And in fact, he hasn't read my book, and he goes, "I don't have to read it. I loved it." Oh, <laughs> jerk. <laughs> no, no, he, read he's it, great. man. Read it. He's he's great. Uh, but yeah, he we were talking, and he goes, "Dude, like I was talking to my our dad, like that," and he goes, "You know, like." he was telling me about you know when 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 you were born I me mean, I'm the older one so I was the first thing. he was, he was telling me like how he had spent so much money on this little uh like uh toy thing that you could get but then they were like kind of broke at the time like they weren't like super well off yet and and you know that even like the cool stuff in Colombia you know was kind of out of date wasn't as advanced as it was here and we're looking around at Vago, and which is my nephew and and he goes and, and look at this like and my, my brother does really well and and you know he's 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 doing good well for himself and so he's you know fortunately he's he worked really hard and and understands how to how to do that but he goes like my kid's not gonna want for anything and that's just one generational jump like that. That's our dad had to go through so much crap to help us be okay. And then it's for this reason. So that this kid could be born. Okay.
1: That's beautiful.
2: You know, and it was, it, it it was really, it was emotional, but it was, it was, to, to this is answering your question, like I go, hey, like we did it. It's just another milestone of we accomplished. We we we, we did it. Um, the first moment that was like that was when we, and this ties into your question, but we we when we moved here. <laughs> My parents told us we were going to Disney, and I always prided myself in saying that my parents were super honest with us as kids. Even now, as adults, they were very open with us. Um, and they told us we were going to go to Disney. We never went to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> and then we became citizens, and that was November of 2012 on election. Well, I, I was—they became citizens before I did because of paperwork stuff. But after I was in and that christmas we went to disney world and and when we were there it was new year's eve you know mickey came out and we he freaking popped out in the castle we're like we freaking came here to see you and we made it that was the first time i felt like that and then when when my nephew was born and like into the life that he has i look at those things and i go no it's okay to be proud for him to be proud to be an American because he should be because of his grandparents and what they did right on both sides, even. Right. And so then I get on, you know, it's the other side of that pendulum thing. Right. And, and then it's, then, then there's like a middle ground where it's like, look, man, like it's okay that you don't understand what it's like to go through what we went through. And by we, I mean the 44 million citizens that are immigrants. I'm
1: following.
2: It's hard for you to understand that. But at the very least, at the very least, educate yourself on your story, on my story, on the story of this country, before you say something stupidly ignorant about immigrants in this country. You're you're more than ha- okay. You're more than okay to have your opinions against or for it, to to hold, you know, values that are different than what I would value, and then using those values and morals to make decisions based on what you think on immigration. Totally cool if it ends up like still opposite of what I think. But don't do that without really looking at, at what's going on. At the not not what the media is saying, not what social media is saying, like how it really works, how the Constitution, how the law of America, how immigration law is set, what really goes on at the border, what really goes on in the countries where these people are coming from, how much influence the U.S. had on the situation that those current those countries currently find themselves in. Right. Like in in very recent example, there's probably going to be a group of people who are going to want to come from Afghanistan to the United States to run with what's going on right now. Right. And they're in that situation because most definitely we came in. Right. Like that's huge. And so then to be like, no, you're not welcome, even though you helped us for 20 years in this war to do to, to survive, you're you got to stay. And 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 or 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 like you know like my country is it's messed up because of corruption, but a, but because of a cocaine. But the first trade routes of exports of marijuana and cocaine from Colombia to Florida were created by the United States government. That you can look this up. So you know. Yeah, yeah. The the war on drugs that you didn't start at the very beginning when you should have, but much much later after it was too late because you didn't care about you know, cocaine, as long as it paid everybody okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I see that and I'm like, dude, learn that, right? Learn about uh, the role of immigrants in the history of our country. We are the only minority in the United States who participated in every single American war. That's not in the history books. That You don't learn that in American history <laughs> or when you take world history in high school and when they talk about Latin America, it's the Aztecs and the Mayans, nobody remembers.
1: Yeah
2: that were North the minority that's most decorated mm-hmm. in the U.S. Army, right? Mm-hmm. Like things like that, right? And so then when you read that, and then when you read what the process is currently to get here legally, and what's going on in these countries and why that's going on, and you get the full context, and then you tell me, yeah, I saw I'm not, I'm not okay, that's fine. But when people say <laughs> things are extremely ignorant, then I'm like, dude, to begin to explain this to you, I'd have to talk about something completely different before we even start to tell you how wrong you are. That's like someone saying like, the earth is flat, you know, or whatever, or, or, or there's, we're the center of the universe. And it's like, okay, so before we can even start telling you why that's not true, we have to tell you about like gravity. So Mm -hmm. let's start there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Right. And so it's the same thing. It's like, what are they hearing? It's like, oh my gosh. Okay, so that's the level you're coming into this conversation with. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being ignorant because we took a bus from Miami to Memphis. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Nothing wrong with our lives.
1: Yeah. Nothing wrong with being ignorant.
2: But there is a problem with being ignorant and then thinking that you're correct right? there is a problem with, and this is probably me often in a lot of different things there, there who was the person that created, there's a, there was a person that I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's like, there's some people that are, that know enough a to- of about a topic to sound authoritative on it, but not enough about that same topic to realize that they have no idea what the heck they're talking about. <laughs> it's the same guy. That's like, yeah, yeah, Michael Jordan. He's has like the most touchdowns ever. And you're like, I know what you're trying to say, it's not, but like it's not the no. you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I you know enough about sports to know who yeah. Michael Jordan is and that he's great, yeah. but not enough about sports to know that you just
0: messed that up. <laughs> like, yeah. So same thing. And and I'll kind of interject here. Um too, like that that's kind of where we're coming from with this podcast, even. I mean, that yeah the the question. If you're answering a question that doesn't matter, then it just, it communicates that you don't care enough about the situation or the people involved to ask better questions. So like, did you mm-hmm. come here legally? Well, when yes. you're, when your option is between dying or coming here illegally, which again, you're, you didn't say you did, but when you frame it in that perspective, it's like, why is legality the right question to ask there? Correct. Like, why, mm-hmm. why, you know, it's so beyond the pale of what is considered legal that it's just like, ask a better question and then we can start answering it in ways that actually matter.
2: Which is, yeah, that, exactly right. And I think that's why when I, when I started uh, at the beginning, I was like, hey, I think this is great that you're doing this. <laughs> Because it's really good to have these conversations. More, more, more of this needs to happen across any topic, whether you're talking about politics or religion or you're talking about science, you know, physics, love, romance, whatever. Like this is the talk to seek to understand, to learn, to grow, not to have your mind changed or to change someone's mind, but just to say, hey, like, what do you know about this? In your experience, what is this to you? And just listening and learning, I think that's huge. So I think that's again great stuff that you're doing. This I think it's good. And I
1: think you know along those lines, because you even mentioned Afghanistan, people fleeing, you know, immigrants coming, and and we all saw maybe on Facebook or the the, there was a big photo um, of just a crowded plane, right? Um, Yeah,
2: people hanging on.
1: And I'm just I'm just curious. I would love to hear your when you saw that, what what things were you thinking? Because, you know, I've had that sent by all stripes of the political, all sides, having yeah. different things to say. And it's just, fr- it's so frustrating, but that is the majority of, a lot of people get that and that's how they receive the news. And I know that's a problem, but yeah, maybe. what did you, what did you see? What did you...
2: I mean it's a mix it's a mix Um, parts of it is um, like I I see that and I'm just numb to it you know because it's like I've seen this so many times this is I know this I know this I know this world and what that looks like in the the desperate desire and need to be safe and not and like believing that hanging on to a plane for nine hours across an ocean is safer than being where you are you know
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you just go same world different day um and it's sad it's really sad and then sometimes i look at it and i go you know there there's so many people you could point the blame to blame too, whether it's three presidents ago, two presidents ago, um, well, one second, someone's calling me and there we go, started ringing. Let's them. have them on. Um, <laughs> that's my dad. <laughs> um, no, it, I, I go, it, it, it's four presidents, two different parties. So even politically, this isn't like, you can you can point at anybody yeah. and you look at this and you go, how, how are the people in charge? this inept now dude i wouldn't want to be president like that's a crazy job who would want to that's that's part of the problem is that you'd have to be a different kind of crazy to want to be president and then they become president because they're crazy (laughs) and so it's like oh no Uh, i wouldn't want that job and i wouldn't want a job to have to try to make these decisions because i don't think it's kind of like sorry for the comedy comic relief but it's kind of like when you take a really big dump and you don't, you're like, I don't even know what the best way to wipe here is. And really there is no correct way. It's you're, you're in trouble. There's a mess and it's going to be messy all around. You know what I'm saying? Like, watch out. None of this is going to look civil. It's going to be pretty gross. It's the same thing, right? There, I don't know that there was a right or wrong way to have done this. I don't know enough about military logistics and, and stuff to, to know. So uh, that, that sometimes is the feeling of like, man, like, was there a good way to do this? Was there a bad way to do this? I mean, I, I, there was definitely a better way to do this. I know that much, uh, you know, but but to have done that. But but who the heck am I to like, think I got a, a solution to something that's been like issue, an issue for years, you know? Um, and then the the other bit I think of is like, we're failing people here. And, and, and there's a sense of need to hold our government and our country to account uh, accountable for things that like it, in the same point of like the kids in the cages with this in Afghanistan with, or, or a variety of things so how are we the like most powerful nation in the country? And then this can still be happening to us. Like we're better than this, it, not politically, just in general as citizens of this country, uh, as, 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 as people who love this country, we're better than this much better than this and how how is it possible that this is happening to us when there's so like most of the money is either in china or here you know i mean like there's and there's enough to go around somehow to for some things that are that don't make sense but then other things that do and it's and, and it's like why why isn't that why how can this be happening right now how can this be because here's the thing we're, we're probably as a country, as a collective nation, this is the best we can do. What's current across the board, whatever's going on in any issue is like, this is the as a, as a 330 million group conglomerate, this is the best we can do. And it's not good enough for what we've been able to accomplish the feats that this country has been able to reach across industries. We went to the moon, you know, it's crazy we we're, we're creating self-driving cars man. We're still yeah. on top. But how is that happening to us when it's not when it when it wouldn't be happening to other people who are not as powerful who are handling no, that's it better. It's good. How is that possible? Because people would be like, well, this is the best we can do. No, no, but see they're doing it way better. <laughs> see, we're better than team. them. So you yeah. can't you can't do that. You you can't. That's like having the biggest house on the block but like mm-hmm no running water. And it's like, dude, <laughs> how does that work? And some of yeah. the, you know, the, 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 vents are closed and windows are broken and the grass isn't mowed. And you're like, dude, how is this possible?
1: <laughs> what is going on there?
2: Look at yeah. their lawn. Their lawn is so nice because they have sprinklers yeah. because their water runs and it's amazing. And they don't have as much money as we do.
1: Right. How are
2: our windows still broken? You know what I mean? Um, and that's like the, I think the overarching thought, where it's like I'm yeah, sad like, but then it's like oh man it's hard but then it's like it shouldn't be either of these things so we I do I, I hear
1: I hear kind of that in you if if I could I, I just hear that probably what all of us feel most of us anyway if 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 uh, I think in our best on our best days where we have that mixture uh, yeah. of sadness but it's a different kind of sadness that I might have. Uh, My story was one in which I was born in a, you know, this small town and my parents had their own struggles. And, you know, we have our own narrative, Uh, but then, you know, one that touches, uh, as you said, 44 million stories uh, summed up in a picture is a pretty sad, sad story and courageous, right? To try to, try to bring bring out your family uh, yourself knowing that the alternative is 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 something um, just horrendous. Uh, so yeah there's a lot of mix to that and and then I'm, I'm hearing you say like and we're to the point where we're like we can't accept it or I mean people are I mean right. you no know, in the political realm are saying no, go you know we can't we're not going to receive. Yeah. Uh receive these people. And, and and it's like we're not thinking uh anymore. And yeah, it just it does seem like we could do better. And I think we fail to think of sort of the greater good and yeah. And that yeah. this world isn't about me and my my closest. And it's and it's
2: worse because like we went there unannounced. We went there because of nine eleven. We show up,
1: right? <laughs> Yep, and, yeah, and we
2: and we and we hold and we commit and we
1: promise we promise yep. this is what it's going to come about and
2: we and we kill the guy responsible for for that.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: you know. And again, I'm not saying what that means or if that's good or whatever. I'm not blaming Bush either. I'm just saying like we were the ones that just showed up, you know, and then left, and then within hours, days, it got completely overrun and oh, it's oh yeah, like. Wow, Wow. how is that? How did we do that? How can we do that? How are we not sophisticated? We have the greatest military on earth, and that's the best evacuation we can do. Come on, man. We we spend more money on military than like the next countries, several countries combined. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell was that, dude? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. But that's good, man. it's it's tough it's tough so it, you know there's so much going on and it's hard to fix it's hard to fix it you know
0: so yep. there are a lot of people out, but... being asked really tough questions and people that there needs to be a company competency structures that someone's accountable for them um yeah, yeah i i won't go into an overarching like thought on it but yeah i i I totally hear what you're saying and yeah there's there needs to be tough questions asked because there were a lot of really horrible outcomes yeah i mean for american citizens for afghan citizens uh who you know if you take over a country and try and set up their government you're you're kind of putting yourself in charge of them so you know there's there's some responsibility there for sure Yeah, and it all—I mean, it all—but you can look at any.
2: You look at any any aspect of of our society, and there's like you can pick apart any part of it. So it's also like, man, there's a lot of problems too. A lot of a lot of fires to put out, and it's like, how do you, how can you navigate that? It's hard. It's hard, and everything's kind of messed up. The pandemic's thrown everything kind of into a crazy cycle. I mean, everything's super politicized, everything's super polarized, or so it seems, and then people get put into groups and labels, and hats. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good. There's not enough talking to understand. There's too much talking to be heard. It's like, dude.
1: And, and I think a drive to be... To be with the right crew—that's you know, mm. basically it's the it's this right community that thinks the same way that I do.
0: Right. It
1: seems like there's more of a drive to hold on to that as opposed to um, being flexible or seeing nuance in mm. in our views. Uh, you know, I see a picture, Facebook, this crowded airplane and people hanging. Um, what what do I see? Well, typically, you know, just from my experience and, and just and I think it can be belated out. People see what what they think. Basically, they're thinking the way their community is going to think. Mm-hmm. Biden sucks. You know, I mean, that's on the conservative, you know, on the conservative yeah. side, what I've seen. See, Biden yeah. sucks. Now there's a bunch of unvaccinated people coming over to kill us with COVID. Uh, so I heard that today on Facebook. Whoa! Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like what the. Well, I but, don't, but The
2: thing is, like, but the truth is, in my uh, opinion, that's, I mean, that's they both Every
1: everybody the
2: last bunch of them. Everybody sucks. sucks like,
1: right? like, like, everybody. Sucks. None of them are
2: good. Nothing good is.
1: No. But them. I'm just. It's 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 but it's just shit like that that I'm. I think you're right. It does. It 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 has to come down to having better conversations. Um you know, by you sharing your experience, age seven, uh, talking about fleeing to this country, having to prove that you're, you're gonna be murdered if you go back means something. I'll never forget that. And that it's stories like that uh, that need to be told. Um, but I think for us to have hope as a citizenry or community, uh, US citizens, uh, we need to be We more and more need to be opened up to hear those stories. Um, and, and sometimes I don't, I don't know that I always see that. Um, has that been yeah. your experience?
2: Well, in, 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 and I talk about this, I keep saying this, I talk about this in the book, I talk about everything in the book, but, but, but there was two parts. There was two parts of, uh, so, so the reason I called it the cost of citizenship and not like the price or something like that, or like, or like, something about refugees because we moved here in 2000 and we didn't become citizens until my parents 2011 and me 2012. It took us 12 years. So this journey and we did it the right way, right? Mind you, part of it was, so what did it cost us uh, emotionally? Right? So, um, a huge part of my life, my grandmother passed away when we were here, couldn't go to her funeral. Because we left the, uh, by this point, we had been approved for political asylum. So if we left the country to go back to Colombia, essentially you're putting yourself at jeopardy, political, you know, for legally for the rest of the way, or extending the 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 time it might take. Because why are you going back, right? So you we couldn't. Um, we you know th- several other deaths in, in the family that were difficult, right? That's what that's what it cost us. Uh, the, the the feeling of being in a different culture, right, uh, and letting go of things that we needed to let go of in order for, because because you only have so much room for things, when you're, uh, you know, when you're trying to hold on to some sort of identity, so you you gotta let go some stuff from Colombia to be able to open up things in America, right? Christmases are different. The way you guys celebrate things are different. they creating a freaking snowman, right? Like all the way up to like apple pie. And so letting go of what it meant to be Colombian in order to embrace this culture, that that was taxing. Then there was the financial cost, right? Well, how much does it cost? You know, I mean, we added, we did the math. I think my parents between like $40,000 or something like that, some ballpark of $40,000 from beginning to end, applications, uh, uh, court, the uh, uh, lawyer fees, the, bus the, tickets, whatever, all the things, right? I think it was like 40 grand. Right. And, and I did finance and I'm familiar with finance. I graduated with, with economics. And so as I was in college, I was like, wait a minute, $40,000. If my parents had invested that in the year 2003 or whatever, right. Or 2000, when we got here for 40 grand, what, what is it worth now? What is it worth in 10 years in, 20, in 2031? And it's like millions. Right. And so that's financial cost. Really yep. not 40 grand. But what we could have done with that 40 grand, we'd been a family of four living here already, having family here, grandparents. I mean, we didn't get babysat. My mom would take us to the hotel that she worked at to make the beds so we could go home quicker because she couldn't leave us in daycare because we weren't in school. It was summertime, right? Like, hey, I'm going to take you to grandma so I can just go run this errand. Nothing. No vacations. What the hell is a vacation? Right? We're going to the lake that Mormon Lake in Grand Island. Like that's the vacation. Like we didn't do nothing, we didn't do any of that. And so that's what it cost. Right. That it, it, learning English and, and, and getting made fun of for not speaking English well. Right. That's the cost. Okay. That's just to get here. And then there's like the get out of my fucking country. The Wednesday after Trump got elected. There's the, the police are kicking us out of a public park because we were playing soccer, futsal on a basketball court. What do we do? I can't stand up to him because then he's gonna like take our information and three of us are illegal. They're, front, they're buddies of mine. So what the hell do I do? Nothing, I can't do anything about it. Got kicked out of a, in Grand Island, got kicked out of a park for playing soccer on a basketball court when there was nobody else around. It was like 60 degrees on like a Thursday night That's like six or something like that. Nobody was there. There's the, I'm on the phone at Walmart because my mom sent me to Walmart because I was 16 and I can drive and she's cooking dinner and she sent me to Walmart to pick up a spice and I'm talking to her in Spanish and I have a lady following me around Walmart. And then I hang up and she's like, excuse me, this is America. We speak English here. And I go, what do you mean? And she goes, well, I don't know if you were talking about me or not, but it seemed like you were trying to say something about me and I don't know what you were saying and I'm offended. I'm like, ma'am, I speak English totally totally okay and I am not afraid of confrontation. If I needed to tell you something bad about yourself, I would have told you like right now you're being an asshole <laughs> and I left. Ah, that's good. Like,
1: nope. It, it,
2: all the time and it, it's 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 the jokes at school it it's was the, it was the president telling me i'm a freaking rapist and a, and a murderer. it's it's, yeah. it's 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 no superheroes and i I have a skit a skit about this on my and my comedy stand-up routine it, where how many marvel superheroes are hispanic none of them we're the bad guys not a yeah. single superhero yeah. There's a gay one, a black one, an Asian one, multiple, you know, young, old, white variety, not a single Hispanic. Where where do I see myself as a, as a hero, as a winner? Where do I see myself celebrated as a, as, as, as a culture, as a Brown person, nowhere, where, where do I see myself on the news in chains behind a cage? That's what I've been told, you know, through the images and you got to overcome that you just got to let that go right it, all the time it's just like no 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 like i, I promise i'd love this country and having to say it in some different way improve it in some different form for some different person that didn't need to be proven to right like when it, it the the jokes oh colombian you got cocaine like like i haven't heard that in 21 years of living here before my life especially after narcos came out yeah right like right. It, it, it's 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 people wearing a pablo escobar shirt that's like someone today wearing a hitler shirt it's like what are you doing do you understand that what that man did some like my life indirectly and you're thinking he's some sort of hero or a thug and you wear oh, it's freedom of speech fuck off sorry
1: for cussing yeah. your podcast but it's like dude come on are you kidding that was me? our number one rule is never apologize for that
2: yeah okay
1: well there you go
2: so i mean that that's the cost you know for i mean it's still costing us costing me sometimes that right when when i mean dude i i dated white chicks and their parents sometimes (laughs) were not a fans of of me like friends who i came over and they would say things like oh you don't have an english you you sound like an american and it's like excuse me <laughs> like i sound like an american what do you mean it was like well you don't have an accent it's like dude what do you what do you do you, like oh my god what you, oh what and the, i mean educated people leaders and it's okay because yeah. some of them are ignorant like right but uh, but at the same time it's like dude that that that's a cost that's still a cost yeah. and it still costs so i look back and i add up all those things and it's like well but I can make a living. I'm in a, I'm in a country great enough to make a living, talking to people online and telling jokes to strangers, and writing my thoughts about how I feel about things and selling books door to door and you know, being involved in a solar company and in Colombia, you're a doctor or you're a lawyer or you work for one of them. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that's the that's the bar. Tell your parents, so oh, I'm gonna do comedy. It's like, what are you a freaking idiot? Like <laughs> so, you know, I guess my parents were so that way. I'm just kidding, no, they weren't. But 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 <sighs> but, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like when to tell people that I can I can I can do that and, and and enjoy my life and uh travel and move to Portland and freely not have to worry about, you know, being persecuted. Well then I guess that's what that costs. And I'll put I'll pay it every day, you know. So, you know, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> no, that's amazing. And uh, Steve and I are both coming up on our, our, on our time here. We're, we're hopefully you will be a regular guest, Andres. Uh, we'd love to hear that perspective. Um, and thank you for making, yeah. you know, didn't know where this was going to go. And obviously you, it, it's a deep, well uh, talking about talking about your backstory and what, what that, journey means to you and what the country means to you and and uh yeah mm-hmm. the the values that spring out of that um thank you so much for for being here with us and and telling your story and uh being willing to go on this little adventure with steve and me uh yeah it it was amazing to hear Great. that um mm-hmm. yeah steve do you have any final thoughts
1: no just i uh, again agree with that i think it's, um, you know, what, what I gleaned from you, I know a number of times you said, you, you know, some of these things can be heavy, heavy things to talk about. Um, but, you know, for me, um, the opposite happened. Uh, I felt in, in inspired uh, hope, um, you know, um, some people avoid talking about what's true, right? Like, mm. um, and what you did was say, "No, there's there's probably shit policies going on." And you know, some of the analogies you had of of, of thinking about um, immigration policies and so on, just how you've been treated throughout your life. Uh, those are those are stories uh, of, of prejudice and. And at the same time, in the same breath, you can say, here's the grace of it all. Uh, I get to tell jokes and people people pay to see me. I get to write books and people will read. Uh, And friends, you you should read Andre (laughs) Scampano's book, The Cost of Citizenship, A Family's Battle Against Persecution and Sacrifices for Freedom. Um, That's it. It looks amazing. And so, no, what I, what I receive from you is just this indelible hope. And so, uh, makes me feel like I, you know, you're writing books in a couple of months. I, I actually, uh, I feel like there's a victory if I get up in the morning and dress myself. <laughs> so I appreciate hey, <laughs> you inspiring me.
2: <laughs> it's all right. It's all, uh, it's all in your head. You got this.
1: <laughs> you I, I still, on I still, I still. I
0: still.
2: I still wake up late sometimes though, so it's fine. Everybody, everybody <laughs> has to sleep in. Sometime. Yeah, <laughs> I've
1: right. got a system uh, though, you know. No.
2: <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, that Thanks for say that. That's really nice to hear. Um, and really just, I, I just want to make sure, you know, like the people understand uh, is, you know, we could talk, I, I love talking about all sorts of different stuff, but you know, this, this topic is probably the one that are one of the few hills I would choose to die on. Because I almost had to, you know, in, in its own way, and um, yeah, I'm just thankful that you guys are giving me this opportunity to share about these kinds of things, and hopefully, the reach is is, is solid, and and you know, people interact, and hopefully, people find this helpful. Um, but I think it's cool that you're giving people microphones to be able to speak their truths in their life. So that's cool. Good job, guys. Thanks, Andres.
0: Thanks, Andres. Thanks, everybody who watched and listened. Uh, we're, we're, we're giving this a go. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully have some ways to, to interact. Um, I will be sharing it on Facebook, but, uh, yeah. Um, let us know. Um, if you have any comments on the the format, if you want to be a guest, let us know. We want to hear great story and don't be intimidated by Andre just because he's this amazing dude. You can have some great ideas and come on the show, you know, just don't be intimidated.
1: Just, (laughs) just come on and
2: speak the truth there's, there's right. Yeah. Everybody has a truth that's important to share and everybody's been through the hardest thing that they've ever been through. So it's worth learning about how to, how they coped with it. So yeah, exactly.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, thanks. This has been another episode of a better question. See you guys.